0: So here's the deal. Uh, as we were eating breakfast this morning, Joseph said, "Hey, can I get my testimony?" And I said, "Well, of course, right so that's what this is about so i'm going to hand the mic off to Joseph. you' got to speak in the mic so we can uh, hear you all. hopefully that'll work and uh, he's going to share from his heart a little bit, and then we'll get into the message if we've got time. all right, um my whole life is i I
1: knew that Jesus was my father and was always taken to church and I always knew in my heart. And every time I went to church, I'd go to church and sing and 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 I'd be singing at home. And my mom would always be like, what's wrong with Joseph? He's not singing. There's something wrong with him. And my mom would would never let us listen to... She was very strict, basically. She'd never listen to any other music than it would have to be like hymns or music. And so, but, you know, I didn't go through to church. I knew that I was saved. I knew... And I didn't understand a lot of the Bible, but there's a lot of parts I didn't need to understand. All I needed to know was Jesus was going to save me, and he was my father, and that's it. And um, uh, so I would try to read the Bible, and i try to understand it. But it wasn't until I joined the military, and I got away from the people from home, and um, I had something bad happen to me over there. I got drunk, and and something bad happened to me. And I knew that I felt so bad, and and I and I never asked for forgiveness. I never said, you know, Dad, forgive me for Father, forgive me for what I done. And um, it just kind of snowballed from there. And um, it all leads up to a point where um, all through my childhood, I always had a, I always played with fire, or it was always lighting things on fire, and and um, you know, I always maybe it were my fingers, burned my feet. Or uh, you know, every time we'd have a campfire, everybody'd go to sleep, and I would be out there messing around with the coals and restarting the fire up again. And, um, but what happened on uh, November 23rd? Uh, I I was messing around with fire again, and this time I, I I was in a point in my life where I'd been away from God for so long, out of fellowship. I was I was doing everything I could to fulfill to fill that void that uh, Christ would fill in my heart. And that was pure joy. You know, higher than any drug on earth could get you. And uh, I would fill it with anything, alcohol, uh, any drugs I could find. And always in my mind, I was like, you know, why why can't I just go back to him? I know he'll take me back. I just need to tell him I'm sorry. And 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 I built up things with my own two hands and, and people looked at me like, Wow, you know, Joseph's got it all together, Joseph can do everything but inside I, I knew it was all gonna be taken from me, I just didn't know when. And uh that people were shocked that I wasn't surprised when everything was taken from me and I was rock bottom and I was using drugs and, and trying to fill that void in my life. And um so so that day I caught myself on fire, like burnt forty-nine percent of my body, and inside, even to then, you you let out a death cry, and and it's still stuck in my mind how it sounded. But I realized now what it was. It was my spirit calling God for help, saying, "Help, help me," and uh, and he, and I was on fire, probably like four or five seconds and the flames were clear up to here but they were avoiding my face face somehow. And, um, the moment that that sound left my voice in my mind, I told myself, don't ask, don't you dare ask for help. Don't you dare. You have no right to ask God to help you. You, you did this to yourself and, and I was sealed. I was going to go to heaven and, um, and I was ready to go i was I was sick of this world I was sick of this life and uh I was ready i was i was gonna take my breath and breathe in the flames and I was going to burn my throat burn my all my lungs, and something was holding my neck and just like that the room just all the the fire went out everything went out, and I walked out of the little house was within. And I was still smoking, and um, so I went in the shower, I was thinking, I need to go to the hospital. I'm fine, I'll be all right and um and I started to see the blisters all over on my body start to form up, and I was like, no, I gotta go to the hospital i i, I finally i finally we did it did so much damage to myself that you know I was probably gonna die um I got to i was a life flight out to Phoenix. They told me that it would take, if the skin grafts didn't take, I was looking at six to seven months of, um, if I didn't get infected, I was in an intensive care unit, and um, uh, so they, they told me that, and I was like, okay, that's that's fine, I mean, whatever whatever happens, but moment I kind of came to some clarity, I started thinking about my kids, my kids, I'm, I'm sealed, I'm fine, but my kids aren't. And if I'm gone, who's going to tell them about Jesus? Who's going to who's going to save them if I'm not there? And so that's when I started eating everything I could and just trying to get better. And and I I don't remember even asking God for forgiveness or help, but He He was merciful and gracious enough to heal my body in three weeks, and even everybody was surprised my my body. Re- took on the skin grafts of the, the of xenografts of the pig, pig skin. So I have 49% of my body is basically a pig pig skin. Um, so I came back. I came back from being, what, saw my kids, and I was still out of it. Still had not said sorry. And uh, my grandma had come, kept trying to get me to go to church, go to church, and I wish I would. There's times where I just wish I would have died, and uh, I was so miserable. So it was so painful, and I was thinking, man, if this this has got to be what hell is like. And and I saw people, you know, uh, that I that I cared about and that I loved, and p- friends that I would I would go outside and I would see them on the sidewalk, and I'd be like, I want to tell them, I want to tell them about my story, but I didn't want to be tempted by anything, so I stayed in my room. And uh, and I seen I, I didn't go out very often. I only saw I saw one person from my past that I really wanted to talk to, but I didn't want to be tempted by him. So I just went home and I prayed. I said, God, just protect them until I can get better, till I can till I can go tell them about you. And um, so I started coming here to church. I said I was sorry, and um, he took me back. He he said, yeah, look, you know, he told me, you did this to yourself. I, I know that you you know that you you did this to yourself. and It's sin. It's sin that was going to destroy you. But, but he was gracious, like I said. He saved me. And I know why he saved me now. He saved me so that my kids wouldn't be lost. They, You know, and and that's my... That's my reason for living. That's my reason to be here. And, um, and uh, where was I going with this? Sorry. When I came to church, when I started coming to church, I, I thought, well, you know, I can't come back to church because I'm not straight in the head. I'm not clean yet. I'm not anything. But you know what? A lot of times I came here, I was out of my mind high. Out of, out of, you know. But you know what? I Jesus didn't go and sit with people that were getting their hearts right. Peter wasn't. Peter said, "Get away from me, Jesus! I'm a sinful man." And Jesus said, "No, I want you. I want you to be the rock of what I build my church on. And sinners that have no that we feel like we're worthless. we're, We're no good." And Jesus will say, you know what? You're the one that I want. There's a reason why I did all these things to you, and and I and I kept you. I don't know His main plan for the end. I don't know what what He saved me for. I know it's to save my kids, but once they're saved, I don't know what they're going to do with for the kingdom of God. And um, but just. He doesn't want anything from us. He doesn't want anything that my two hands can make for him. He wants He wants to give us something, and he wants to say, "Here, just take it from a hand, and, and you'll see and my, my life could have gone so differently if I would have just said, "Lord, I'm sorry for what I, what I did." and I, I could see where my life would be. And it would have been perfect. It would have been. But you know what? He's not a God of fixing a little thing here or fixing something about you. He's a God of restoration. And He doesn't just restore something, He makes it better than what it was. And I wanted to give my testimony. I was thinking, well, I need to wait till I'm fully restored to give my testimony. But then I was making the same mistake I was making already. You need to know that you come to Him whenever you want. You don't have to come to a church. You could come to Him and, and the child of God doesn't get away with anything. We don't get away with nothing. He'll take you out to the woodshed and He'll spank you and He'll beat you. He'll 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 burn you half to death. But you know what? Or He'll let you burn yourself half to death. But you know what? He'll restore you. He'll fix you back. And He'll make you Stronger than you ever thought you could be. And, uh, that's just a little snippet of, that's just one thing they've done for me. But, I mean, like, uh, um, like I was telling you, that person that I had seen all the time going to Circle K or, uh, going from my house to Circle K, that's where I would go. That's all I would do. And I've seen him probably twice, three times. And I was, my heart, I would get home and I would cry and I would say, God just protect that person till I could get better till i not tempted to do anything out there in the real world and uh, I don't know like a month ago that person was here he was here, and I was blown away that god he he probably took my tears and he saved them. and he said, You know what, you know Joseph, you didn't even pray for that person, but I, I counted those tears, and 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 you you meant it with your heart, and I didn't even pray for that person to come here or to come to Jesus. And uh, so I'm just I'm just grateful for everything he's done for me. I don't know his plan, but as long as I know I'm in the will of God. I, I feel good. I, I can sleep at night. I have peace. People think, "Oh, you don't have a car. You don't have a house. You don't. You live with your parents. You don't have anything." And I tell them, "But I have Jesus. That He's all I need, and He He makes me so happy. And I would give all the things I had, just like I, I was holding on to, and I I gave it all up, and I found Jesus. I found my Jesus again." And he took me back. And He said He loved me. He said that He wanted me. So, you have the same Father that I have. He loves you no matter what. And if you do something wrong, you just say you're sorry. That's all He wants to know. He he promised the nation of Israel everything if they would have just said they were Sorry. I
0: have to say. ...do with the rest of our time that we have this morning is we're going to continue in our series, in our messenger series. So grab your Bible or your phone or whatever you have that you can uh, get into the Scripture with. We're going to be in Acts chapter 11 this morning. Uh, in this series, uh, it looks... Oh, there we go. It looks like that. In this series, this is week four of our series. And just really quick, let me... Bring you up to speed where we've been. So three weeks ago, or I guess not three weeks ago, quite a while ago, uh, when we started this series, we, first week we looked at uh, Paul's upbringing, okay, like why why he was brought up to do what he was doing. His mama and daddy basically prepped him beca- to become this super Jew, right? They gave sent him to the right school, gave him the right e- education, did all those things so that way he could advance in the Jewish faith, and he did. Paul did, and he became a Christian bounty hunter. We looked at his life, like the beginning of his life, his before Christ days, his B.C. days that I call, you know, before I came to Christ, all the crazy stuff that I did, I call those my B.C. days. Um, we looked at his B.C. days. Uh, Joseph just talked about his B.C. days. So we have all have B.C. days. We looked at Paul's life before Christ. And then in week two, we looked at when Paul was confronted by Jesus on the road. Remember where he was going? Going to Damascus. He was going to go arrest some Christians, he was going to bring them to jail, he was going to do whatever he was going to do to them. And Jesus confronts him face to face. And this Christian bounty hunter that was out trying to stop the spread of Christianity now becomes a Christian himself. Jesus saves him, just like Joseph's story. Jesus Jesus saves him, turns his life around and aims, aims him in the opposite direction. And so Paul, who was going after Christians, is now a Christian. And week three, we talked about how he started, I mean, immediately starts preaching the gospel. And remember, the other Christians there, he was trying to hang out with them. And they're like, whoa, 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 Paul, like you're the guy that was trying to kill us the other day. Right. And you want to come and be part of us. They thought he was a spy. And so then he can't hang out there. And so he goes to Jerusalem. The believers in Jerusalem don't, you know, they're like, we don't believe you either. We think you're a spy. Who went and got who vouched for him? Do you remember who vouched for Paul? Barnabas, right? So Barnabas vouches for Paul and says, No, man, he's legit. He's preaching the gospel. And so they're just kind of serving together, so much so, preaching powerfully, so much so that the Jews who used to employ him are saying, We're going to kill him. Because now he's not working for us. He's working against us. And so they try to kill him. And so the, the Christians there send Paul off to Tarsus, which is where his hometown was. So that's where we're at in the story. This is week four, and today what we're going to do is look at the explosion of the church okay, to the Gentiles. We looked at the explosion of the church in Jerusalem to the Jews. Remember we said 10, 20, 30, maybe up to 50,000 Jews that are believers in Jesus in Jerusalem. Now what? If you remember, when Stephen was murdered, they all what? They all split and ran everywhere. And so we're going to pick up today when they start running. Okay, because of the scattering, the persecution. So it says this in Acts chapter 11, verse 19. We're going to read through verse 26 today. And we're going to talk about this, a couple things to point out here. With the remainder of time, we're probably going to close early and cut some stuff out. Um, it says this. It says, so Acts chapter 11, verse 19. says this. So those. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen... Let me stop right there. Remember, this persecution that Dr. Luke's writing about here, this is the persecution that Paul was doing. I mean, he was the persecutor, right? He's the one that's leading this charge against Christians. And it says, so all those people that were scattered, that's all in parentheses there. So all those people made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word, this is important, Speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. Verse 20. But there were some of them. I love, you guys know it's my favorite word in the Bible. But, right? So everyone that was scattered, all these Jews, these believing Jews that were scattered, they were only sharing the gospel with other Jews. Which makes sense. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But, some of them, some of those cats, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, Who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, I want to, I always want to keep this, especially in this series, I want to keep us aware of where all this stuff is happening. Okay, that's why I'm always going to show you a map of where, especially as we get into the missionary journeys, because I want for us to kind of keep our mind clear, like, what's really happening here. So, I should have a little pointer, see it way up there. So, here's Jerusalem down here. This is where it all starts, right? And Paul starts persecuting the Christians there in Jerusalem, and it says that they scatter. Where does it say they scatter to? Phoenicia, which is this whole area here. To what? Cyprus, which is this island right here. And then Antioch right here. Now, if you look over here, there's another Antioch. This is the one we're speaking of. Antioch of Syria, not Antioch of Pisidia. Okay? And it also says that some men from Cyprus and Cyrene... Well, we know where Cyprus is. This is Cyprus. Does anyone else see Cyrene where it is? It's down here in northern Africa. Okay, down here. So, then it says also, later on in the text that they go and get Paul in Tarsus. So this is all happening right in this region, the Mediterranean Sea region. The okay? cats, these guys from Cyprus, this island, and Cyrene go to Antioch. So that's where we're at physically in this part of the world as this story is taking place. Verse 22. So they start preaching the gospel to Greeks also, to Gentiles, to non-Jews. This is absolutely, the 100% the reason why this church exists today. Okay? Hear me. Ecclesia exists because some men from Cyprus and Cyrene decided to start talking to non-Jews about Jesus. We're here today because of their faith. We're here today because of their faith. Willingness and love for people, no matter what those people were like, they were gonna. These pe- looking, these Greeks living up there were way different, way different than these guys living in Cyprus and Cyrene. They're sharing the gospel with them anyway. The gospel is for everybody. Everybody, okay, says this, verse twenty-two. So the news about all that, the news about all that reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent, who did they send? Barnabas. Barnabas, man. What's going like? They're sending Barnabas down to check out the rumors. We're going to send somebody down there, or up there actually. Let's send Barnabas. So they send Barnabas to check out to see if the rumors are true. Then, verse 23, Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them. Remember what his name is? What Son of what? Encouragement. Barnabas means son of encouragement. So, of course, he's going to encourage people, right? That's why he's named that. So he begins to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Numbers of Gentiles. This is mind-blowing. This is this is a whole nother level of of experience, and encounter with the Lord, people, the whole... Now the gospel is now going to non-Jews. This is critical. This This is a tipping point in history here, folks. Verse 25. And so Barnabas, he, Barnabas, left for Tarsus to look for Saul. Remember, Saul was in Tarsus because he was down in Jerusalem. They were trying to murder him, and so they sent him to Tarsus. So Barnabas is down there. He sees what's happening. He says, you know who needs to be here? Paul. I'm going to go get him. So Barnabas goes to Tarsus to live for Saul, 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So that's our text for today. What I want for us to do this morning is just look at the lessons that we can learn from the church at Antioch. Because there are lots of lessons and we're going to look at a few of them. And I figured, uh, just being clear with you, I figured that since now I only preach every other week, I should get to go double time today. Is that, Are we all okay with that? Amen. Gigi's saying yeah. Okay, front row says yeah. So, no, I'm kidding. Um, but um, And we've got a lot to cover. So, we're just going to get into it. So, the church at Antioch, we see here in the beginning, first few verses. Let's actually look at them uh, right here. There was a monocultural focus. What I mean by that is there was one people group, Jews, okay? One people group. That was the focus. Up into like the whole history of the church so far is a monocultural focus here in verse 19. Let's read it here. It should be up on the screen. It says this. So then when those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, when they made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. This is a common problem. This this is common practice for Jews. At this point, you know, like 99.9% of the church was Jewish. Okay? Because Jews only spoke with Jews. They only hung out with Jews. They only played sports with Jews. They only did business with Jews. If you were a Jew and you were caught talking with, messing with, doing business with, eating with, A Gentile, a non-Jew, you become unclean, you can't go to church. There's all of these rules and regulations. And so the church at this point, which was founded by these Jews that realized that, yes, this Messiah that we've been waiting for, this is Jesus, He's come to save us. They're sharing the gospel with people that are just like them. These people that have a similar faith background. They were all Jews. And so, of course, at this point, it is a monocultural Church. It's a monocultural focus. Now, why? Remember, think about this for a second. This is just a few months into, you know, the church history. Remember, all of the Jews that had gone to Jerusalem for Passover, think about this for a second. Think back to Easter, okay? All of the Jews that are heading to Jerusalem for Passover, they're there celebrating, partying, They're there in the temple area. They see this display going on, this public trial of this man named Jesus. They're there. They see Jesus. They see this public trial. They get caught up in the crowd. The crowd says, crucify Him. They watch all of these Jews, thousands and thousands of Jews from all over the Mediterranean Sea area are there celebrating Passover. They see this thing happening. They see Him, Jesus, murdered. On a cross, they're still there, still hanging out, still celebrating. And a few days later, oh boy, comes back to life. Right? Like, this is crazy. They're like, whoa, he was dead, but now he's here. And a lot of those people, right, they're like, I've, like this could be the Messiah that we've been waiting for. This is, this is trippy. Right? And Jesus walks and talks and shares with them for 40 days. And some people are like, no, he's not a ghost like I touched him, like he ate with us. Right. And this is the explosion of the first church. And they're all sharing this together because they were all Jews. And so Jews would share with other Jews that Jesus cat. He's like, he's the real. He's back to life. He's he's the Messiah. And they're sharing this. And so the church predominantly was all Jewish Because they were all there and they all saw it. And then Stephen gets murdered and all these Jews are like, we're out of here. We're going back home. We don't want to get killed. We don't want to die for this. And so as they go home, they start talking with other Jews in their town. Well, there were a few, right? A few men from Cyprus and Cyrene that said, there's more than just Jews that need to know this. Everybody needs to hear this story now think about it for a second you raised all of your life in the jewish faith to stay away from non-jews and now jesus comes and frees you from these rules and regulations that the pharisees had put up and there's this weird balance you know you know i've got my old life and my new life and it was just hard for people i mean old habits die hard think about that old habits do die hard we tend to do the things we've always done the traditions i mean jerusalem was the religious capital of the world still is and they had all of these reasons not to share this news with anyone but jews and so it was a difficult road for them to follow this balance of freedom and these laws and these Pharisees telling us and watching over us and telling you know it was just it was hard for these first believers but jesus think about this in our Acts series, Jesus gave them some instructions before He left, didn't He? This is, this is some of the last words that He shares with His followers. He says, go, right, and share this good news with everybody. Look at it, Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be My witnesses in both Jerusalem. So they were good on that one. They were sharing the Gospel in Jerusalem. Thousands and thousands of people coming to faith. But then they start to falter on the rest of this command by Jesus. This is clear. Jesus is saying, go and share this good news that I have risen from the dead. I offer forgiveness of sins, just like Joseph said. Go and share this good news with everybody. Jerusalem? And then where does it say? Judea? Not doing too well there. Okay, maybe. Samaria? We know one guy that went there, Philip into the outermost parts of the world. Jesus' instructions to them was go and share this with everybody. And they were stuck in Jerusalem. Stuck hanging out with the people that they'd always hung out with. People that they knew. They were stuck there. They were not obeying God. I wonder, Joseph brought this up a second ago. I like how God plans these things out and has these... You know, things that all work together. I wonder if Stephen's persecution, the persecution of the church, wasn't God's way of getting these people out of their comfort zone, right? Wasn't God saying, I'm going to allow some stuff to happen for you to obey me, right? I'm going to allow something bad here to happen in Jerusalem, so that way you actually go and do what I've commanded you to do. To go and share the gospel to the whole world. Sometimes some chaos has to happen in our life. Joseph's story. Sometimes some chaos has to happen in our life for us to finally get it. And say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Yes, Lord, I will obey you. It's interesting, isn't it? It says this. you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So it's all about the Holy Spirit's power. They weren't fully relying on the Holy Spirit at this point. They were just... Doing what they'd always been taught to do, to hang out with Jews. Yes, share with Jews, but they were missing the biggest portion of it. So they had this monocultural focus, okay? I'm going to try to burn through this, the rest of this. What we see here, though, is this, my favorite word in the Bible. But. So everyone that had scattered was just sharing with Jews, but there were some that had an eye. And a heart for people that were not like them. They had a not a monocultural focus, but a what? A multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, socio-economically diverse. Like they had a focus like everyone needs to hear this story, this good news. These men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Look at what it says. It says, but there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking... To the Greeks. Now remember, this is not like the Greek Jews. Remember, we we had this issue between the Hellenistic Jews and the Greek Jews. Remember, the widows were arguing. This is not that. These are not Greek Jews. These are Gentiles. These are Greeks who had zero to little exposure to the Old Testament ways. These were not Jewish people. These were not God-fearers. These were Greeks who had worshipped all kinds of gods. Okay, these were. Gentiles, people that were far from God. It says that they shared the Lord Jesus with them, and many people came to faith. Now, this is not the first, in the New Testament, this is certainly not the first time someone goes to non-Jews, because we saw Philip do this, okay? We saw Philip previously kind of talk to these Samaritans. We talked about this in our Acts series. Now, Samaritans were like half-Jew, half-Gentile, okay? So they weren't full-Gentile, but they weren't full-Jew. They were kind of half. They were half and half. They were were what they called half-breeds. Is why Jews hated them. And they were half-Gentile, half-Jewish. And they had all these issues, and the Jews and the Samaritans had all this beef. But Philip, during this persecution, look at what it says there. There is a very similar beginning of this text. Therefore, those... Who had been scattered went about preaching the word and philip went down to the city of samaria and began proclaiming christ to them philip begins preaching the gospel to the jews in samaria here's here's the command from jesus and does what jesus tells him to do to go where judea samaria the ends of the earth he goes to samaria starts preaching the gospel many people come to faith down there it says also that god then eventually sends him to some desert road just go start walking down the road and you're going to meet a man. Ethiopian man. An Ethiopian eunuch who's reading the Bible. Remember Philip? We talked about this. Philip shares the gospel with him and baptizes him right there. Philip was one of the pioneers of multicultural evangelism. Multicultural, multi-ethnic, outside the Jewish faith evangelism. Then we got Peter. And honestly, we skipped Peter. We skipped Acts chapter 10. We went from 9, if you remember... To 11, because this whole story is Peter's story. If you know the Bible, you know that Peter, you remember he sees that vision, this dream. He's up on a rooftop and he sees this, this sheet coming down. It's got these animals that are unclean, the Jews. and God's telling him to eat them. And he's like, no, I'm not going to eat them. This whole interaction. And then Cornelius, this Roman, Roman Gentile has this dream, the same dream, and God sends Peter to share the Gospel with him, and his whole family becomes believers. So these are the first like, true Gentile believers here with Peter. So this is not like the very first encounter of Jews sharing the Gospel with Gentiles, but this is, in my opinion, here in Antioch, we see that Antioch becomes the tipping point of the New Testament here, where the Gospel truly does open up to people that are outside the Jewish faith. Opening, Look at what Peter says. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. So far his whole life he's been thinking, it's all about the Jews, it's just about the Jews, what we've done, what we know, that really they believe that God just loves the Jews and nobody else. He says that He is not one to show partiality, but in every nation... The man who fears Him and does what is right is welcome to Him. So God moves and the Gentiles come to faith. This is monumental times for the church. So let's go back to the text. These dudes from Cyprus and Cyrene, they're preaching to the Gentiles. And it says here, I've got it highlighted up there, that a large number turned to the Lord. Listen, the gospel is for everyone. This church at Antioch is doing work. Okay? They're doing work. This is the church... That we're modeling, Ecclesia Yuma is modeling ourselves after the church at Antioch, who was a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, socio-economically diverse church. That's what we're striving to be here at Ecclesia. It is a church these guys were sharing with people that were not like them. Okay, Absolutely not like them. They were obedient to Jesus' commands to be a multi, to share the gospel with whoever you come in contact with, not just people that are like you. And that's one of the core values here of Ecclesia. That we want to be a church that has dark skinned and light skinned people. We want to be a church that speaks English and Spanish. We want to be a church that has rich people and poor people and young people and old people and people that are tall and people that are short. Like, we want our church to be. Multi-ethnic, socioeconomically diverse, generally, uh, generationally diverse. Like we want all of that kind of church going on here. But if you look around, I mean, literally look around at you, we need to work on it. Okay, just being honest. And we're doing okay. We've been at it for four years, but we need to work on it. That's why we're doing these engage events. We're trying to reach people that live right around us here in this neighborhood. Okay? That's why we're doing those events at Bernice's house. To try to reach people that will never walk through these doors normally. Like we've been trying to just do the old traditional church where you invite people to come on a Sunday. And it's, I mean, we're all here, which is cool, but we've got we got to get better at our evangelistic uh, expeditions or whatever you want to call it. Our, our activities. Our activities where we're going to bring people to understand what the gospel truly means. Just look around. And so that's part of our focus of Engage. One of the things that we um, do at Engage that I love, which is very multicultural, is the henna tattoo thing. I still got mine here. It was, I think it's a little over two weeks old. It's mostly gone. I think they last for about two weeks. Um, if you're interested, today, right after service... Lori and some of the others are going to train. Just, they're going to choose the next one that we're going to do next week. Uh, if you want one done on you, like maybe you're like me. I tried to do the training the other day. I would never paint on you. It would be horrible. Like you, we kind of weed out those that are, are horrible. Like I don't deserve to paint on people. I can mix up the stuff. I can print the things off. I can cheer you on. I can share the story, but I should not be drawing on you. Okay? Some of us, though, some of you guys here are really good at drawing on people. And uh, they're going to start, they're going to do that right after service. not going to be a long time. Hang out, just half hour. They're going to choose the next one. Maybe you want one, they can practice on you, okay? So come and check it out today right after service. But I love this, I love this concept because you want to talk about multicultural, this stuff is done primarily in India and Africa. And we're doing it over here in the neighborhood because what we said a few months ago is that we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. Remember we said that? We're going to do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. We were able to share the gospel 20 times last Sunday by doing these little temporary tattoos. To me, that's a win. right? 20 people heard the gospel story last week Through the opportunity of drawing some cool stuff on their skin. We're gonna do stuff like that. If you're thinking in your brain, we got a better way, we got something else, bring it up. We are going to do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. Okay? That's the type of church that Antioch was. They were not set in their boxes, set in their ways, set in all the tradition. They weren't even a church. The only church around was the church in Jerusalem. These were just some guys that were meeting together who loved Jesus and said, we need to share the gospel with people. They didn't have any preconceived ideas, no traditions, none of that stuff. That's just like us, y'all. We don't have any boxes to try to think outside of. Any box we have here, we created ourselves, right? Because we started from scratch. This is the the awesomeness of Ecclesia, being able to do whatever we can... To reach the rich and the poor, the light skin, the dark skin, the smart and the not so smart. And, you know, like the tall and the fat and the ugly and the hot. And, the, you know, like all of those people, like all of the, we we want to share the gospel. And I'm in the ugly category. OK, I get that. Like we want to share the gospel with everybody, everybody. And then the, even the guys that wear costumes to church, like we want to reach them, too. Right. So anyway, you got to go, bro. You better tell You're supposed to be at like 15 minutes early. Uh, so here we go. Let me finish this because I'm going to have to skip some stuff here. it's all good. Antioch is our example. This multi-ethnic, multi-generational, socioeconomically diverse church in Antioch is absolutely our example. It's what we're modeling ministry after here. It's why we're doing what we do here. And so when you think about this, when you think about, like, why are we doing this here? Think back to Antioch, who was willing to go outside the norms, outside the box, to do whatever they could, listen, whatever they could to reach people who were far from God. People that were not like them, people that spoke a different language than them people that lived in a whole... These guys were from another part of the world traveling on mission to go share the gospel with people that were unlike them. This is the type of church that we want to build here. We want you to be part of this. So our activities, the things we do, they're going to look weird. They're going to look different. They're going to be like, well, most churches don't do that. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. That's why we do what we do. And it's interesting to me, It's interesting to me, I'm going to skip through some of this um, here. Look at this last verse, verse 26. It says, And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. It's interesting to me that the disciples, the 30, 40, 50,000 believers in Jerusalem, were not called Christians. And this, this does not mean they called themselves Christians. What this is saying is outsiders looking in nicknamed these people Christians, which meant little Jesuses, little Christs. It's interesting to me that it was at Antioch, not in Jerusalem. It was at Antioch where there was no tradition, where they were sharing the gospel with whoever, living out their faith in a powerful way so that way they changed the city. It's interesting to me that outsiders looking in saw them interacting with each other and said, look at those little Jesuses running around. They didn't call themselves out. They didn't say, what should we call ourselves? Let's have a vote, right? (laughs) They didn't. This was outsiders saying, look at those little Jesuses running around. Wouldn't it be cool to have that kind of nickname for yourself by the way that you live? But people say, look at those little Jesuses running around there. So listen, if you come from a church background, we need to abandon our preconceived ideas of what church looks like. And I know for some of us that's really tough. And we've kind of been doing church here for a few years, like the same as every other church has for centuries. That's why this year in 2018 we decided we're going to change things up drastically and start doing whatever we can short of sin to reach people with the gospel. That's my challenge to you is that you'll join us in those engage events where we can try and do some of that.